for us, it was like, if I'm creating a really thoughtful and meaningful email piece, I want to be able to say, okay, I want this to go to LinkedIn. I want it to look like this when it goes to LinkedIn. I want it to go to Facebook here. I want it to go to Instagram. You know, I might even want it to go out to Pinterest, whatever that case is. And being able to shape that story inside of one interface and be able to syndicate and distribute that and then analyze the outcome. You're listening to the Real Estate Sessions podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Risser, Executive Vice President, Strategic Partnerships with Rate My Agent, a digital marketing platform designed to help great agents harness the power of verified reviews. For more information, head on over to ratemyagent.com. Listen in as I interview industry leaders and get their stories and journeys to the world of real estate. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 307 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for telling a friend. Today, I'm talking to Bondalyn Jolly. She's the Chief Marketing Officer with Elm Street Technology. They're doing some interesting things, trying to help brokers, agents, and teams streamline processes. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Bondalyn's childhood like we always do on this show. And we're also going to talk about you know starting a company in the late 90s based on email marketing. Very cool. So let's get this thing started. Bondolin, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you for having me, Bill. Yeah, I was so, so glad that Molly introduced me to you over this past fall when we were traveling a lot and showing up at conventions and conferences and stuff, right? It was kind of good to be back on the road, right? I know. And I'm really hoping that that's not changing in Q1. We're yeah. off to a rocky start for sure. We are. We are. Inman pushed theirs back to April. Um, I know we have a few things on the calendar in February. Fingers crossed that we can we can uh, continue down that path. Well, I I know you're in California, uh, mm-hmm. so I grew up in San Diego, so I know the the California the West Coast very well. But I also know that uh, that's not where you grew up, and I love the fact that uh, um, I can talk to my guests and find out things about different parts of the country. And you're in this. I'm going to call it. South Central area of New York. Is that pretty good? In Binghamton, is that that's your hometown? Yeah, I'm from Binghamton, New York. I uh, grew up really close to the Pennsylvania border. Okay. And uh, my family used to spend a lot of time up on the St. Lawrence River, which is where the U.S. and the Canadian borders meet. So I used to spend all of my summers up there. So you would just you would just go stay in the state, but just go straight north up <laughs> past Syracuse, Rochester, kind of. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. My son went to Syracuse for uh, for his master's, and so uh, we had a chance to visit. And we had a chance to visit Central New York, the Apple Orchards, the Finger Lakes. I mean, talk about as a kid. I, I think you probably had a really cool childhood with living in the country. Because I'm going to say Binghamton is not a big city, right? It it really isn't. You know, it's it's most well known for like the University of Binghamton uh, that's there. You know, uh, IBM. Uh, and Endicott was there, which is where my dad worked. And that's why we were there. But I grew up in a really rural community called Conklin Forks, where the road I lived on actually turned into a dirt road as, as you got a little past my house. So I grew up like playing out in the woods and making mud pies and just, you know, climbing trees and skinning knees. That was my childhood. That's awesome. Now we're recording this in, in mid-January and I saw on the weather this morning that the uh, high for Binghamton today, I think is one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a little chilly. And so, you know, for me, um, I did my undergrad in Ithaca, uh, but I was very much inclined to head south 
and get away from that cold weather as soon as I could. So I always say I may not have been born in the South, but I moved there. As good <laughs> as I yeah, we're, it's, 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 you can see that in the, the path that we're going to talk about today, how you end up of all places in Louisiana, which is, we'll, we'll talk about that. That'll yeah. be fun. You mentioned Ithaca College. I did a little research on that school and saw that it's up on kind of the southern uh, tip of one of the Finger Lakes. And the Finger Lakes that people don't know are this series of like really long, skinny lakes <laughs> that are a couple hours north of Binghamton and, or maybe a little closer than that, right? Um, yeah, about an hour and a half outside of Binghamton. Okay. Just an absolutely stunning, stunning area. Cornell University is there as well. So Ithaca houses these two fantastic universities that sit on opposite mm-hmm. hills from each other. Yeah. So that, that talk about that experience. I mean, you're, you're 18, you're moving out of the house for the first time, just far enough away that it's kind of difficult for the parents to do a drop in, right? Exactly. But they would always, they could come up for all of my performances. I was actually a music major really? so I majored in music education and performance. Yeah. And uh, so it was nice because if I had a, a concert or something like that, my parents would drive up to attend it, but, and I could always go home on a weekend if I wanted to, but yet I had that sense of independence, you know, yeah. living in, in Ithaca as well. But yeah, yeah I, I actually did my undergrad in music bill. And so a lot of people will ask me, how did you go from music into running a software <laughs> company? And uh, I think it's kind of interesting because whatever it is, that side of the brain, you know, that whole creative processes side really lended itself to that sort of, you know, business development side for me. Yeah. They really run in parallel. That makes sense. So I'll ask you another question about that. But first, you can't just say music. We got to get, we need the details. What are the specifics? What was your instrument? So I uh, spent years as a classically trained pianist. But when I went to college, I majored in percussion. Uh, I was an orchestral percussionist. I specialized in the marimba, which is a, a large keyboard percussion instrument. And I studied at Ithaca with a gentleman named Gordon Stout, who was like one of the premier, and to this day, one of the premier marimbas in the world. And I had the pleasure to spend four years studying with him. And and then I was invited after that to do some master's work in Austria and study conducting. I had gotten really heavily into conducting. and uh, But I instead of studying conducting, I chose to marry this really cute guy named Ethan Jolly. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> to this day, I don't regret that choice. <laughs> no, that's great. I, that's a great story. Uh, a marimba. That's great. I'll put a link in the in the show notes to a uh, demonstration of a marimba. So yeah. those that are listening can actually go check that out. How's that sound? That'd be great. And if you actually Google like Gordon Stout marimba, you'll you'll find my teacher all over the place. So <laughs> awesome. That's great. Uh, you still have a piano at home? Is it something you still play? With? I do. I actually have a beautiful music room in my house. I uh, passed on the love of music to my daughter, mm-hmm. who is a musical theater uh, freak and beautiful vocalist. And she plays some piano and we have guitars and percussive instruments. And you can come in and take over our music room anytime, any of our guests. Wow. That's great. I love that. So marketing or running a company really wasn't in your plans as you're graduating from Ithaca. What what was the first what was your first job? My first job I was a music teacher. Okay. Ethan and I got married uh, right out of college and we settled in the Cleveland Ohio area and I was a music teacher there um elementary school music teacher and it you know, it was a lot of fun, but uh, after about a year and a half of doing that, my husband was transferred 
with his work to the New Orleans area. And so I ended up leaving in the middle of the school year and moving to New Orleans. And at that time, I was like, okay, I can't necessarily go into a teaching job. I was doing substitute teaching. And so I started doing some sales and marketing consulting for a large athletic club down in the New Orleans area. And uh, this is back in the late 1990s. So I developed their very first website for them. They were having some uh, retention issues, you know, trouble communicating with their membership because they had to rely on the membership to actually come into the club back then to find out what was going on. And the internet was just sort of popping into existence. And so I taught myself HTML and built their very first website as a means to disseminate information to the public. And within six months of doing that, I had so much business in the New Orleans area that I started my company and out of a spare bedroom in my house and the rest is history. <laughs> yeah. So were you, you were helping people develop their sites and that sort of a thing. So this is, you're getting that, that entire background going, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and it's funny because, you know, I, I did not know HTML myself. I mean, I was just a really, I was really strong in sales and marketing. Yep. Um, it was just sort of a natural uh, avenue for me. And so at the point that I started to need a developer, you know, I hired this young guy. He was in college at Tulane in New Orleans, and I hired him as a, like a part-timer, and uh, he ended up becoming my CTO, and to this day, he is my lead engineer at Elm Street. Oh, that's awesome. Like 25 years later. Wow. Yeah, so... Uh, he's one of my, one of my work husbands, as we say. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, so he was a part of then, uh, he was with you when you founded eMerge, right? Yeah. So, sure. you know, my company was, it was called New Millennium Designs and then it became NMD Inc. And eMerge was actually a product, a software product that we developed, a, right? A, a email marketing automation okay. uh, platform. So we developed that, but then we, very quickly became known as eMerge. So we would do business as eMerge. And, you know, by the time I sold out the company, it was really that eMerge platform was what was being acquired. It was that piece of technology that right. we developed. I remember email popping up somewhere in the early to mid nineties, right? Where it was being used actively. Uh, I was actually with the San Diego Padres at the time. And um, instead of having dumb terminals, we all got a PC for the first time. Right. And so you really were early in on the game there, right. Especially focusing, was it focused in the real estate area right from the beginning? It wasn't. Okay. Uh, we actually, we worked in law enforcement. Ooh. So we had a client and account that was a large government contractor. They were called watch systems to this day. They still are. And they, we developed a software platform for them called Offender watch, which is the largest and most comprehensive sex offender management system in the United States. And, and so I had that software contract with them, but what happened was a lot of these law enforcement agencies across the United States, they were either uh, federally or locally mandated to disseminate sex offender information to their constituency. And so we built the system uh, it, it was an email and a direct mail system that would automatically pull um, sex offender records. So if there was a relocation or a new record, it would automatically run appropriate geo searches on that regional area and send out email and direct mail notifications to the constituency. And so that was the base system that we built. 
And then what happened is a lot of these law enforcement agencies were coming to us and saying, okay, we want to send communication that isn't connected into this, you know, giant software solution. We want to just send general communication. And so we were referring people out to, you know, like these SMBs, like the constant contacts Our MailChimp was just coming on the scene. And yet these law enforcement agencies had some very specific criteria Mm into which they had to communicate. And so these off the shelf sort of solutions like constant contact and MailChimp were not really able to service those needs. And so we ended up pulling that sort of communication automation component of what we developed in this giant software. And we pulled it out and packaged it separately as eMERGE. And then we were able to customize and the experiences and the communication workflows based on the needs of our government clients. So that's really how it started. (laughs) And then we got sucked into real estate. Um, Yeah. So how did that, so let's talk about that piece of it. Who there had to be some person somewhere that was connected to the industry that said, we're really, we need help with this part of it. And we, we like, you know, we see what's coming or somebody saw what was coming as far as marketing. Uh, What was that connection? There was a, in New Orleans, there was a large Keller Williams office and we had quite a few of their agents who came to us and started using the platform. And that's when we started developing some content, you know, specific to the real estate space. And it was really an opportunity um, to, to do some testing inside of Remax. So we initially worked with Remax's North American franchise team. And we did a Kate, we came in and did a case study with them. And it just kind of blew up for us and, and was really, really strong. And so I really, you know, credit the Remax organization as the group that really introduced me, pulled me in to the real estate space. And that's where we really started defining who we were inside of the space. And so I entered the space doing franchise initiatives, uh, business growth strategies, uh, working with companies. And to this day, I still do a lot of consulting on that level, you know, business growth, M&A, franchise development, recruitment, retention. That's we build and develop a lot of campaign strategies on our platform around that. Right. And once once you saw the opportunity in the world of real estate, was the did the, the company then kind of keep focused there and try to make that better and better? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, we made one of those early mistakes that a lot of, you know, startup companies do where for a bit, we were trying to be a little bit of everything to everyone. You know, we were thinking we were going to compete aggressively in the SMB space. We were doing a lot of work in tourism, travel and tourism. And then, you know, we came into the real estate sector. And so for a while, we kept thinking, okay, we're going to have a division that's going to, you know, focus inside of each one of these business verticals. And it really just became a little overwhelming and uh, so we we really analyzed and said, okay, where is our key opportunities? You know, where are the bulk of our clients currently live? And and real estate really was that obvious choice for us. And so we ended up focusing aggressively there. And I mean, and we do a lot of work in in like ancillary type you know models, mortgage and lending, insurance, etc. Mm-hmm. But uh, we've really used real estate as that at that foundation from where we start and then we branched out from there. Right. So it makes sense. You had offices for M, uh, NMD or, or eMERGE uh, in Louisiana and California. <laughs> because that's kind of where you ended up. So I, I get that. Um, what 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 time frame are we talking about here when you started You know, the focus on real estate? Is this the early 2000s? 
I'm going to say probably around, I think we've been pretty aggressively focused in the real estate space. It's probably been about 10 to 12 years now. Okay. All right. You know, you've been at your company for a long time and you know, what, what that, what the, the advent of social media meant, particularly for your company, because obviously I think there are some key connecting points there between what was happening in the 2007 and eight and what you were doing with email. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. So when we came out, we really just said, okay, we're going to be this, the best of the best of email marketing automation. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's where our core focus was. And then the, you know, social media hit the conversation and it was very, very quickly that people were saying to us, okay, well, I've created this really amazing email, but I want to share that content on Facebook. <laughs> I wanted to go to LinkedIn. And so I think Facebook was the first integration that we did as soon as they opened, you know, up their APIs, we came in and, and integrated with them. And uh, very quickly, we integrated with, you know, Twitter, with LinkedIn. I mean, we really tried to expand all of that. And I think it's important, you know, to sort of allow people to consolidate and streamline their communication, right? So for us, it was like, if I'm creating a really thoughtful and meaningful email piece, I want to be able to say, okay, I want this to go to LinkedIn. I want it to look like this when it goes to LinkedIn. I want it to go to Facebook here. I want it to go to Instagram. You know, I may, might even want it to go out to Pinterest, whatever that case is. And being able to shape that story inside of one interface and be able to syndicate and distribute that and then analyze the outcome. And that was really big for us because a lot of our clients that we were working with, we would, you know, they would create an email with us and then they'd have to go into Facebook and reiterate and then they'd have to go over to LinkedIn, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And so, you know, we were really just looking at this problem or this challenge that was presented and how could we bring in technology that was going to help streamline and automate those daily activities for people. And so that, and then that's really what we, you know, eMerge really became. Yeah. Um, if we fast forward to 2018, you're still doing the same thing. You're still trying to figure out how to take all these different pieces and parts and make it all work seamlessly in the real estate space. But now you're doing it as part of Elm Street technology. So let's, let's talk about how you connected with them. Yeah. So, you know, Elm Street was pretty new on the scene. They came out around 2015, 2016, they were founded and they were really trying to solve a, a fundamental problem in, in the space, right? And and I like to call it, you know, sort of we have this problem of tech fatigue. Mm. Um, you know, brokers are using anywhere from 15 to 20 technology products to manage their day-to-day. -day. Agents are using 10 to 12 technology products. Um, and it can be very overwhelming and none of these technology products necessarily speak to each other, right? So that example I shared with eMerge where you were creating an email here and then you were going to Facebook here and LinkedIn over here and Twitter over here. And Elm Street was a company that said, okay, we want to build a singular solution that runs on a singular data stack that will automate, you know, every step of the day-to-day -day for agents, brokers, and teams. And so they were somebody who was on my radar. I'd been introduced to the CEO, Prem Luthra, by a mutual friend. And at the time we started talking to them, we weren't interested in an acquisition. We weren't looking to be acquired, but we were searching out CRM solutions for integration opportunities. 
um, with eMERGE. And so I started having conversations with Prem in, I guess, early 2018. And he actually ended up hiring me in a consulting role to come in and do some marketing work um, with the organization at the time. And the more that we got to know each other, the more that we talked, the more that I understood what the Elm Street vision was, it just made more and more sense for us to to come together and align. And to this day, you know, the eMERGE platform serves as the marketing automation arm of the Elevate platform, which is the primary tech stack or CRM solution of Elm Street. And so it just was really synergistic for us. And I think as a business leader, you just always have to stay open to ideas and opportunity and allow things to evolve organically. So, you know, and that was like over three years ago that we made that choice to merge with Elm Street. And I haven't looked back for one second, Bill. It seems like you were in that perfect situation where it wasn't out of a necessity. Uh, You were able to get to know Prem and the company and what they stood for. I mean, that's the ideal uh, situation for for forming a partnership. Yeah, I think, you know, merging, mergers and acquisition, right? M&A yeah. activity can be very nerve wracking for people. Right. And from my standpoint and from Prem's standpoint, you know, we were really just exploring how can we create a win-win scenario? You know, what does this look like for us mutually? And we were able to come, you know, pretty easily to terms that were, you know, equitable on, on both sides of the table. And and thus far, so we were the fifth acquisition of Elm Street. We just completed our 12th acquisition on New Year's Eve. Um, and so, you know, we're a company that's growing really rapidly and we're focused on bringing in that best in class technology to fill out this very comprehensive, you know, product suite. And um, so, you know, I've I had a lot of conversations with companies coming into us and looking at us and sharing my story. And I think that if you come into it with that win-win strategy, you know, from both sides of the table, it's going to be okay. But you need to do it for all the right reasons. You yeah. know, there's a lot of people that do it for the paycheck, the exit, and, yep. you know, they leave their staff high and dry or, you know, there's, but if you're going into it and, you know, I was able to bring in my entire team and to this day, everybody that came into that acquisition with me is still there and has meaningful roles within the organization. And I think that's really important. Have you had, obviously without naming names, have you had a conversation with a company or two where you went, oh, not a fit? I did. Okay. So you've- yeah, yeah, we had companies that had approached us. And like I said, you know, at the times I, I had these conversations, I wasn't necessarily looking for an acquisition, but I was also always open to a conversation. And there were a few companies, you know, we explored the opportunity with, and there was either not a cultural alignment or their vision of where they were trying to go and where we felt we plugged into that. Just really, they weren't in alignment. And that was my thing. You know, I felt like I had the time and the opportunity to explore the right solution. You know, I, I, I was, I was doing it for all the right reasons. Yeah, that, that, that's perfect. Let's talk about Elevate, and yeah. this is this is the this is the platform, correct? That's being created with these strategic acquisitions. Maybe even kind of lay out some of the tools in there. It'd be great to hear um, about it. Yeah, so we do, you know, everything from lead gen 
to the lead nurturing transaction is being currently integrated all the way down. Like ultimately we'll do full back office as well. Right. So, you know, like I was saying, we're really trying to solve for some fundamental problems in the space, this concept of tech fatigue. You know, we look at a lot of brokerages who are, they're spending a lot of money, you know, their revenue streams are, are very, very tight. Um, and, you know, our ability to go in and say, how can we help you consolidate, streamline and automate components of your day to day so that you can better focus on what's important for you and your agents and have that insight and transparency into, you know, the key performance indicators right across your organization. So it's kind of nerdy and dorky, but it's, it's Bill, you know, it's so important, right. To running our businesses. Like I always say, you, you know, you, you can't manage what you can't measure. And I've just worked inside of so many brokerages, large and small um, who just, are bleeding in one place or another and don't even realize it. And so our ability to come in and really look at them in a a comprehensive and holistic manner and then help them, you know, consolidate and and reimagine what their tech stacks look like. Um, It helps the brokerage run more efficiently. It increases their bottom line and it creates a much more attractive offering for their agents, you know, for recruiting and retention. You've like you mentioned, you've been inside a lot of brokerages. I'd love to explore that creative side of your mind for a second and talk about I was gonna say the good, the bad, and the ugly of of real estate marketing, but let's just go with some good and bad. How's that? <laughs> I think I've seen it all. And this is so because of so one of the divisions of Elm Street is um our we have a very high-end consultancy group called 365.agency. Mm-hmm. And I have served as the managing partner for that. Um since we launched it this past year. And, and I will tell brokers, you know, when we sit down across the table from them, I will say, there is not anything that you can present to me that I have not seen (laughs) before. Cause they'll be like, I have this like dirty little secret over here. We don't want you to, you know, (laughs) see this. And we're like, Oh, we've seen it all. Don't worry. (laughs) Nice. Nice. But, you know, I think this is such an exciting time in the real estate sector because I work inside of every single business model, you know, every single kind of compensation model. Um, And it's just so fun because I really believe there's a solution out there that's right for everyone. And not every solution is right for everyone, right? And so one of the things that I love about going into brokerages is really helping them define truly like who they are organizationally and how to best position themselves inside of their marketplace. You know, when we do a lot of competitive analysis, we we look at who their ideal agents are. We curate, you know, lists around like what that audience looks like. So what their opportunities look like and then help them shape and tell that story of who they are and how that resonates with their appropriate audience. And we have a lot of fun doing that. And I think that's one of the things that we see is a lot of organizations, particularly if they've come into like a national franchise model, Mm -hmm. they sometimes have a hard time defining fundamentally who they are in their local community. I think they send, you know, I see a lot of brokerages that rely too heavily on what that corporate initiative looks like. And we need to be able to take that down and put that, you know, how do we position you fundamentally as a contributor to your community and to the agents and the people, the consumers that you serve. And I think that's a fun part of the challenge that we face as marketers. Yeah. You are uh, very passionate about what you do. It's very obvious. Well, when I meet you in person, as I listen to you here, what 
what do you think's on the horizon? I mean, you have to be thinking about the future, right? Like just in the space or like yeah. me personally, because there's a whole bunch of rabbit holes we could go down here. But. <laughs> well, let's talk about, let's talk about in this, in what Elm Street technology is trying to do, you know, this, this end to end, keep it all together, keep it simple. Is there something beyond this? What's next? Yeah. So, you know, first of all, I really, we're really so hyper-focused on solving this one distinct challenge in the space, right? And, right? and I think there's a lot of tech companies that have come into the real estate space with that same sort of initiative. And But yeah, I just feel like nobody has truly succeeded in creating a, a truly consolidated and streamlined experience. And, um, and, and I feel like a lot of, you know, tech companies, and Bill, I think I almost feel like you and I had this conversation when we saw each other at NAR, you know, like, why do tech companies have such a bad rap? You know, why, why are agents and brokers online, like declaring tech companies as the devil, right? I mean, if we're truly doing our, our job, and we're servicing our customers and helping them better run their organizations, they should be singing our praises. And so when I see this negativity and this demonization of tech companies, you know, across social media, that tells me that we're still have not solved that challenge. And so Elm Street is very hyper-focused on really being that leader that demonstrates to everybody else, this is the way to get this job done. But that being said, I think there's a lot of really interesting things. You know, I mean, I am really excited about like cryptocurrency and mm. NFTs and, and how that ultimately is and will impact the real estate transaction now and in the future. It's just fascinating to see that some of the companies that are already leading the charge on this, uh, we're starting to work inside of, you know, multiple MLS groups that are really embracing this concept of cryptocurrency and what that looks like. And so that's a really exciting topic that I think we're going to see a lot more exploration around in 2022 and beyond. Yeah. I did interview Natalia from Proppy and it's, it's a fascinating, a fascinating topic. Uh, and I think so many people struggle just to grasp a distributed ledger <laughs> and how that all works. It's, we got to get past that part, I think, with a lot of people. And once we get past that, I think it's going to be, it's going to be quick. Yeah. 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 Really off the wall, just weird question, Bondlin. You have a very unique name, super cool name that I've <laughs> never heard before. So first of all, uh, how did you, how did, there's got to be a story behind the name. There is. So the name Bondolin, um, I come from a, a French Welsh lineage. Okay. And so the name Bondolin is actually can be traced way back into my French Welsh lineage. But interestingly enough, a lot of my ancestors had settled in an area of like uh, New York and Pennsylvania back in the late 1800s. And when my grandmother was pregnant with my mother. She lived in the Pennsylvania area. And my mother was actually born in 1936. She was a preemie. She was born eight weeks early. Hmm. And back then that was a pretty serious situation. Yeah. And um, the the nurse that actually cared for my grandmother, my grandmother accredits with saving both her and my mother's life was a woman named Bondolin. And so she named my mother Bondolin Joy after, in honor of this nurse, as well as our family lineage, which this woman came from. And then that name was carried on to me. Wow. That's awesome. That's fantastic. 
Cool. Yeah, but I right. am the only Bondolin you'll ever meet, Bill. Like I'm Bondolin at gmail.com. Every social channel slash Bondolin. Like I don't need to have all those little numbers and integers <laughs> on the backside of my name. It's right. just Bondolin down the line. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Um, Bondolin, it's time. I've got to let you get back to work. I, I mm-hmm. want to ask you the same final question I've asked every guest. Uh, and and that's what one piece of advice would you give a new agent just getting started? You know, I thought about this when you, when you posed this question to me earlier. And I think my thing is, you know, going back to what I said about brokers, where I say there's nothing that we haven't seen. There's not a challenge that doesn't exist. You know, and I think agents, you know, right, we're sole proprietors. We're our own entrepreneurs. We're our own business people. And I think a lot of times we come into this industry and just we're going to grab the bull by the horns and, and you know, go wild with it. And I think there's a lot of challenges that new agents face that they have maybe oversimplified when they come into the space. And I think that the most important thing is to know that there are people out there that have dealt with every challenge that you're facing Mm -hmm. and have been able to overcome that. And my thing is find an amazing mentor, ask questions, find a mentor, somebody that you see succeeding in that space and take them out to lunch, buy them coffee, pick their brain, follow them around until they tell you to go away. Um, That's what I did, you know, coming out of music and starting my company is I surrounded myself with people that had strengths in areas that I needed strength at that time. And I was not afraid to ask the questions I needed to grow. And that is the one piece of advice I give any business person, whether you're starting in the real estate space or any business vertical is align yourself with people that you aspire to be like and don't stop asking questions until you have all the answers you need. Bondolin, if someone wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, well, just Google Bondolin. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I am very responsive on social media. I'm a very you know actively engaged person, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, literally just, Bondolin, B-O-N-D-I-L-Y-N, you can find me. And you're always welcome to email me as well. Um, and that would be Bondolin, B-O-N-D-I-L-Y-N, at the number three, the words 65.agency. And I know, Bill, you can share that, yep. that to people. But I'm, I'm always here to be of service. Um, if anybody has questions, comments, concerns that I can assist with, please reach out to me. Bondolin, thank you so much for sharing your story today. Fantastic. A lot of fun. Uh, and and let's let's keep our fingers crossed that we see each other soon in the spring sometime at, at an upcoming event. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me today, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The Real Estate Sessions. Please head over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash RE Sessions to leave a review or a rating and subscribe to The Real Estate Sessions podcast at your favorite podcast listening app. 